What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Drinks with Dillinger podcast. I have one of my favorite people that, guys, when, when we get into this, you, you're going to understand why he's one of my favorite people. I have Noah Watry with me. He is from the other side of town. He's out there in the Wisconsin, a place that I've never been, but I'm definitely putting it on my bucket list. So tonight's episode is called Life After Death. And you guys are probably wondering why I picked that topic, right? So here's the skinny about Noah. Um, so Noah is a funeral director, right? And he had a birthday in September. Noah had a birthday in September. And it was insane because Noah wrote an obituary on his birthday. <laughs> Like, I've never seen that happen before. And it really had me thinking about my own life and what someone will actually say about me when I pass away. So here's just a little bit. Here's a snippet of what Noah wrote, because you guys are going to have to follow him and go on his blog to read it detail by detail. Noah T. Watry, 37 years of age, passed away unexpectedly on Beaver Lake in Hartford, Wisconsin doing what he did best, fishing off his paddleboard, being mysterious. He was born to Peter and Katie Waitry on his due date, September 20th, 1984. Noah was named after Dr. Noah Drake of the General Hospital, a musician he would see quite a few times with his mother. Okay, so I'm going to skinny down a little bit. Noah was always willing to make his friends <laughs> and enemies if it meant the attention was off himself. Sometimes this worked in his favor. Other times it did not. Noah went through his 20s playing poker professionally, dropping out of college twice, facing life or death situation numerous times, becoming a medals fish finisher and weddler to just chilling by his condo, literally soaking it all in. So Noah, 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 now it's your turn to officially introduce yourself. I just gave everyone a little taste of your obituary, and I'm still trying to figure out minds and write it together, but introduce yourself and let them know exactly. Well, I appreciate the, the opener. I'm floored by that. So thank you for the kind words. I'm, I'm grinning here right now. You can't see it, but but thank you for that. That that really made my day, actually. Um, but like like you touched on, I'm I'm 37 years old. I'm a funeral director in Wisconsin. I've been a poker player. I've been a welder, a student. I mean, I've done a lot of different things in life. Certainly lived a good life, a, a rough life by, by my own undoing. But then again, I've also had great things that I have nothing to complain about and everything to, to kind of thank God for. And I'm still here. So while I'm still here, I just want to kind of share my life experiences with the world and just let people know that if, if I can still be here, if I can still do good things in the world, you can too. And if I need to kind of share those experiences to help people along the way, I mean, that that's really what I'm here to, to kind of continue doing. So. 
I love that. Helping people. That's always the number one goal. I think that should be everyone's goal in life. Actually, I'm in the same space too. As a wardrobe stylist and artist management, I am definitely in the service area, you know, serving others. I'm I love helping other people flourish. It brings joy to me. But you're you're kind of sort of like on the opposite end of me because you deal with the dead, right? But yes, but that's correct. <laughs> but this, you know what's so crazy? No, so here's the thing, right? So <laughs> I lived in a funeral home, right? And like I lived there for like a year and a half. And a beautiful space, by the way. And it's not like I lived in the parlor or anything, but it was a brownstone and it was levels to that shit, people. Okay, levels to the shit. So on the ground floor is where the funeral director, who would be Noah, you know, you know, um, and um then 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 it's the the level where you have the service, and then you go up uh, another level. And that's like the living, dining, kitchen, all that. And then you go up another tier and it's the bedroom. So I was never really close to what was going on unless I was, you know, in the kitchen cooking. I could probably hear the service going on or if I had to run outside to um, go to the grocery store or whatever I needed to do. And something was happening. That's the only time I realized there was an actual funeral happening. So. Like my friends, they would never come and visit me. When I say my friends never, like it was literally two people out of all my friends. Like, and I know a lot of freaking people, Noah. Like, I mean, a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Only two people came, right? And like, I don't think they were affected by it either. They they really didn't pay attention to it. I think like the first day when, when they came in, they saw like a coffin and stuff. They probably were like, Okay, what the hell is going on? And then when I, you know, when, once we got up to the the housing level, um, it's like everything disappeared. But I remember one time, um, a body had just came in, and my friend had just walked into my house, and Dre was like, "Oh Kim, fuck no." I got to go. I'm like, listen, Dre, don't worry about that. That person is already dead. They are asleep and they're not worried about you. And they're not worried, worried about me. Okay. Right now they're, they're about to get prepared to, to get to their final resting place. So let's not be alarmed by it. And living there for a year and a half, I got so accustomed to it to the point where I was going downstairs to the funeral parlor and I was looking at the bodies coming in and saying, oh, yeah, this person looks great. Oh, the makeup is good. Maybe you should fix this a little bit. So with that being said, as you being the funeral di- director, right, because I'm li- kind of like living through it, but you're working through it. So tell me what it's like with that experience. I mean, to me, it's 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 amazing. It's probably the best thing I've done with my life. It's something I look at that I I think a lot of people look at something that they, they do that they enjoy and get passion and love from that they say, oh, I wish I had done that sooner. But to me, I, I don't think I would have done that when I was 18, 19, 20. I think I kind of had to live and go through some, some moments and some situations in life that kind of brings more of a value to life. And then you understand grief. You As you get older, you you go through deaths. You have friends, loved ones you lose. And suddenly things kind of change in your mind of what's important, what matters. And 
as a funeral director, I get to see that every day. I get to help grieving families where they, they lost their world. It's, it's crushed. They don't know what to do. They're, they're crying, they're mad, everything. And then it's my job to kind of piece things back together and give their loved one that service again and that celebration of life. And I get to do that every day for people. So to me, that that's what matters most. And it's the little steps along the way, like you mentioned, from the beginning of doing cosmetics and getting them dressed to the nines for their casket and the service going off and trying to control the guests and starting things on time all the way to the burial. And, and it doesn't even end with, with the burial. Then there's still the after part. A lot of people think funerals over family and friends go their own way and it's back to life. But for the people that lost someone that they have to still continue. So my job still doesn't end there. There's more of the, the after grief process too. So it's just a, an all encompassing kind of, kind of thing that I, I do. And <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I love doing it. There, there's just no amount of money that would take me away from that. And how do you deal with the the after process, you know, with the party and stuff? Because I also see mm -hmm. that too, because we also at the house, there was like the, um, what do you call it? The repass. The repass also happens um, at the house. And there was one time there, this family was a little bit on the more ghetto side. It was kind of chaotic they were like hanging out on the streets we could not get them to leave and you know we are living in 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 harlem you know and you know our neighbors are like doctors and lawyers so we know that they have to go to bed early and yeah you know they really need to get some shut eye and we really did not know how to kind of like get the clients to leave like it really took a, a while i kind of like stepped in too i felt like i started kind of like working <laughs> mm -hmm. for it because i was so involved with um things that were going on because like i said you know i'm coming in out, out of the house and you know this funeral is happening and it cannot be stopped not because i live there this is part of what's happening at this home so how do you deal with the after process um, I guess even to your point on th that specific situation is you have to be upfront with people and you have to talk to them and you have to look them in the eyes and they have to feel what you mean. Words, words have the power to control people. You can make someone mad or upset or happy or whatever it is, feelings just based on words and based on how you present them. Same thing with, with bullies. Um, you need to confront them. You need to look at, at them eye to eye, man to man, woman to woman, and just say, you know, I appreciate you being here. Um, thank you for, for your support at this time, though. We respectfully asked for you to kind of carry things out and maybe continue your, your celebration of this loved one's life in a different area. And out of respect for everyone having a long day, and it's been a long, long day. Certainly, you can understand that, someone who just lost someone. And then they'll kind of stop and look at you and say, hopefully, most of the time you'll say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like, you're not demeaning them, but in a way you kind of are and saying, hey, you know, how would you feel if this was going on? Certainly you can understand that you're playing on someone else's emotions and other people that need their rest so they can perform their best. And, I'm, and I'll say I've, I've had people that fight back at you. I've had people that have been threatened. I've had fights break out. I've had to 
step in and separate people and play babysitter before too, but and that that's just other issues that need to be dealt with. But I feel like if you're honest with people, you're upfront with them and being a funeral director, I'm getting paid good money to stand up for a family, to take care of them, to make sure everything goes on. And if I need to step in front of someone or do something, it's my job to take control of the situation and make sure a family does not have to deal with that, that they have enough going on. So. And what made you want to become a funeral director? Uh, well, kind of a funny story is it was a, a high school field trip, like 20 years ago, actually. So I'm, I'm 37 now. And when we were, I was 17, we took a, a high school field trip to a funeral home. And I, I was always the class clown, the guy that liked to joke around, but science classes and, and English always interested me. So we went to the funeral home and I would joke around, of course, but then I'd also ask, um, there was a woman funeral director who I asked a couple questions that I was serious about. And she was like, well, I see you have different colored hair. So I also always used to like dye my hair and I was just a young skater punk back then. So I had dyed hair and everything. And she was like, the hair, you, you wouldn't be able to dye anymore. Um, and she's like, you had any tattoos? And I was like, yep, definitely plan on getting tattoos for my life. And she's like, as long as they're not visible, then, then you're good. And you have to take a lot of science courses. There's a lot of law classes that you have to be aware of. And then certainly writing. And I was like, okay, I'm into science classes. I, I love to write. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just dye my hair for a few years and then, then I'll go back to being serious. So <laughs> it all kind of like stuck with me that high school field trip. And I'll never forget that, that director, um, even though I didn't go back to college for it until I was 30. So it, it all started from a high school field trip. Well, I just think with age, it doesn't matter with age. It's just like when everything is like timing on honestly. And I'm, I'm learning that now too, you know, 37 as well. You know, everything is, is just all in the right time because maybe if you did it earlier, maybe things wouldn't have worked out. Um, just like, you know, you know, previous things that we do in our lives, but you stated in your obituary, you know, like, you know, friends, you know, enemies um <laughs> what i mean like what what is that about like honestly like your friend I, want, I want the haters to to still see me shining and i also want them to know that i forgive them and we've all done wrong in our life i'm i'm probably the the villain in a lot of people's stories too but i just wanted to, to give a shout out to everyone the people that loved me the people that hated me at some point, I was a part of your life. Hopefully, there was some good along the way. And, I mean, you just never you never forget the people that doubt you, your haters, your enemies. In some ways, they, they actually help you become who you are because they, they motivate you. You want to prove to them, hey, I didn't turn out the way you thought I would. Or, hey, I made a better decision to go this way than the way you wanted me to. So, that, that was kind of my little little jab at that. So. Yeah, you know, I said, um, so from the the pandemic happened, I lost so many people, like it literally every other month, someone I knew was dying, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because of COVID, you know, it was so many other things that happened, you know, I wish it was the COVID that was the reason, but it was just so many things that happened to my friends and close people. 
And um, a couple weeks ago, someone really close to my family, who we considered an uncle, passed away. And the show out at his funeral was so beautiful. I mean, I've never been to a funeral where people are not crying hysterically. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was so different. It was like, kind of like everyone was rejoicing in a sense because he was such a good person. He never gave off bad energy. He always helped out the best that he could with every individual, with me personally, my kids, my sisters, like he, 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 he has done so much for us. And when I seen them in the casket, you know, I thought, you know, I would break down, but he was so at peace. He was just sleeping peacefully. He just looked like, hey, he was taking a nap. And I got back in the car with my mom and I was saying to my mom, I said, you know, honestly, I don't want a funeral because I don't want people crying over me. I don't want people who did not like me, who weren't friends with me to show up at my funeral and be dramatic over my body because I've seen that at funerals before. I've seen people get out of control and it's like, first of all, you guys weren't even friends. They didn't even like you. Like, why are you doing all of that? You know, or he wasn't even with you. Like, why are you acting like you were his number one girl? Right. And my mom said to me, she was like, She's like, Kim, no, you have to have a funeral. I said, really don't. I said, honestly, just burn my body, put it in a urine, and then you take my my body, my urine, back to Jamaica. You spread me back in the sea and place me back where I came from. And she said, she said, no. She said, Kim, your funeral is probably going to be one of the biggest funerals. Like, you know, so many people, so many people going to come out and show out for you and that's when i started thinking about you as the funeral director and your, and your obituary i'm like what is my obituary really got is going to say like what am i really doing here on earth am i really um spreading love and and and, and being a light to others and really helping other people like what is it really going to say i don't want it to say you know oh she was a hot girl she was pretty she partied a lot she I don't want it to just be that. I need it to make sense. I need it to to be more. I want my life to actually really mean something. And I'm at a stage right now where I I finally broke free from something that was draining me for so long. (laughs) And talk about draining, which is funny, Noah. (laughs) Remember (laughs) one time you commented on my Facebook, one of my Facebook um, posts and literally my ex-husband, he was furious that you were commenting and dropping hard eyes, right? Oh, shoot. (laughs) Right? And I was just like, I was just like, I've never met this man before. What we have in common is Keisha Cole, our love for Keisha Cole. That's what joined us together. Absolutely. I remember. Yep. Yeah. And I remember one time you invited me. Remember you bought tickets. And I think I think the concert was in like Michigan, I believe. I believe it was Michigan. And you was like, oh, you should come out. And I really wanted to go. Like I was so stoked. I was so stoked. I really wanted to go. But I just knew that if I had did that, that would just start chaos. So I just declined it, you uh-huh. know. And that was unfortunate because that's how a girl, we rock out to Keisha Cole, you know? And, you know, with that being said, you know, I'm, I'm glad that relationship with my ex-husband is dead now. I am glad that is dead because honestly, 
it prevented me from a lot of things that I should have been doing a very long time ago. And I'm still grateful that me and you stay connected throughout all these years, despite all of that, all of that stuff that was happening that you didn't even know what was happening. Honestly, it was like beyond jealousy. So I breathed a new life by killing that relationship. And no, I know you have been in some crazy relationship. Can you share one story? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to. You have to. It's life after death here. I, I mean, I've got a lot of them that I don't know if they're public related stories. I mean, what, what kind of crazy do you want? You want like. A, um, OK, I guess the, I'll say tell you what, I'll give you my my worst one. One yes. Of my yes, because my ex-husband is absolutely the worst person that I ever been with. Like I am a hundred percent honest about that. Like Um, okay, so I'll say beforehand I haven't had all bad. My I'd say my last my last girlfriend was my best girlfriend that I've ever been with, and the one before her was was good too. Not as good as the last one at all, but the wor- it kind of went from like the worst and built up to the best. So like my twenties were just a nightmare. So I'll give you, I'll give you a crazy story of um, the worst one was where I was with a woman who was into some bad things I'll say. And I kind of partook and was along for the ride some of the times. And when I put my foot down of not wanting to, to give her money or ride and stuff like that. And she, she tried to stab me with a screwdriver and ended up driving off into a gas station parking lot, got out of the car to, to get away from it all. And then I, as I was inside, came out, my car's gone. So she took off with my car and it was in winter and winters in Wisconsin are, they can get pretty cold. It can be, it can be as low as like negative 20 or it can be in the thirties. It's just a kind of a whirlwind. So I'm walking around. I don't have my car on me. Don't, don't have a cell phone back then. Um, I was in my early 20s. I didn't have a cell phone until it was later on, but I tried using telephones to try to call people and stuff. And I was in another town and they're like, oh, it has to be local. Everything was like landline back then. No, no cell phones still. So eventually came across a cop who wasn't really wanting to help me. He said, hey, you can't stay here though. He's like, once it's after 24 hours, then you can report stuff. And I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. So I'm like, all right, F it. I'm like, 30 miles from home, I can, I can walk, maybe run a little bit of it and walk. And then I'm starting to walk home, walk home. It's taking a few hours. And then all of a sudden it starts to become like a blizzard. So it's like in the snowstorm, I'm trying to hitchhike like 30 miles. And five, six hours later, um, this, this older couple passed by and they're like, you're still walking out here. We passed you like hours ago. What are you still doing here? I'm like, I don't have a car. I, I don't have a way home. They're like, where do you live? And I told them, they're like, Jesus, what are you doing out here? And I'm like, well, my girlfriend took my car. And so they, they gave me a ride like the rest of the way back home. But yeah, so as soon as I got home the next day, then called the cops on everyone, reported everything. And, and then she was found with the car, like pulled off on the side of the road somewhere. And yeah, she, she got in trouble for that one. And I still have... um parts of my my toes where there's like no feeling in them so like if it gets cold out you can see that they'll like turn purple because there's no feeling in them so i can't feel it's cold or not um from that that hitchhiking moment so 
That, that, that's probably one of my worst stories. Wow. Of a situation I've been with. <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of, that sounds kind of wild oh, yeah, because yeah. now you're told like. Up, and then there's one part of my leg that I can touch where I wouldn't have feelings. Like you could probably stab me in that spot and there, there's just nerve damage there. So I, I won't be able to feel it. So. I'm definitely sorry <laughs> I mean, to hear about that. That was I'm crazy, but I'm glad you got I'm over that. Though, and now I um, get to tell this funny, wacky story and someone out there maybe <laughs> goes, oh man, I guess I didn't have it that bad. And there are people that have it worse than me, way worse than me. So like, I, I don't, I don't want to compare or say like, oh man, I have it bad because I'm still here and there's a lot of people out there that, you know, been through situations that they're not here. So I'm, I just look at myself as a lucky one. Agree, agree. So I want to go back a little bit to your um, back to your obituary that you wrote on your birthday yep. this year. So I, I love this part uh, that you wrote. Noah plans on dragging this out as he did so many times to the woman in his life. <laughs> his final condolences are to those who were involved in his love life. Right. No one knows you wouldn't have it any other way despite those differences. Noah's final love and thoughts go out to his bumble, his heaven. Um, okay, this song is Heaven sung by Kanye Brown. He absolutely love you. So Bumble gets a shout out in your obituary. It does. I, who is this Bumble person? That was the, the last girlfriend that I had. That was the best one. And because she's the, the most recent, the, the best one. So she gets the shout out. And then I also wanted to touch on all the other previous ones that I know it didn't work out. And I'm, again, they're not all bad. There were moments where I was the bad one. So I, I call myself out. I'm, I'm real with it. I know I, I did some women wrong. And I don't want to feel like you can't ever <laughs> forget the past or kill the past and fully destroy it because we all have exes that will still try to contact us or still want to look at us or follow us on social media and all this stuff. And I know there are other women out there that still do that with me. And I don't know why it's even if it's been five, 10, 15 years ago, like it still just happens. I mean, we're human. So I just wanted to touch on that too and say, Hey ladies, I did you wrong. Still thinking about it. Love you all. Hope the best for you. And I know you still have love for me too. So I just wanted to touch on that and say there were times I dragged things out and maybe was kind of unsure on how oh, should I stay with this girl or do I really love her? Should we do this or not? And I was an indecisive man back then. And I'm sure with women, they did not appreciate that. You know, they wanted answers. They said, do you love me or not? Are we going to move in or not? Are we still together or not? And I was an indecisive man back then. So I wasn't the best. Mm hmm. Well, it's life. You lived, you learned. And hey, at least we're still giving them love. You know, um, for anyone that's tuning in, we're basically, you know, Noah basically wrote his own obituary on his birthday this past September. And it had me thinking about my personal life. Um, there's another part I love at the end of your obituary. It says, pour one out for Noah. Bluff all in for Noah. Get a regrettable tattoo for Noah. Play video games all night for Noah. Go fishing for Noah. Above all else, attend his own funeral for Noah. 
It's what he would have wanted as he truly lived for all of you and never for himself. God bless. What a freaking great ending <laughs> to your obituary. Like, okay. I don't even know if I can compete with that. I don't even know if mine's is going to even sound that good when I actually write it. Because I'm going to write mine's out because I don't want no one else to write mine's out. Honestly, I right. definitely don't. So, like, really, what was your thoughts on that? Like, so I... I guess the the first thing of pour one out. I I made one of my sisters promise me the that we would pop a bottle of Dom Perignon at my my gravesite, and she she promised me she would. So there would be champagne when I'm getting buried. Um, but also just all the things that I enjoy doing. I I love playing poker, so so play cards, and I'm an aggressive player. I have no problems putting all my money in on a bluff if I feel it's the right move. So I want people to think of that when they do those things think of me you know go fishing I love to fish I love to be in the water and be free and, and swim and dive on the bottom and go on my paddleboard and just be out in the water so those are things I love to do so I'm just trying to incorporate it to the people that I know or that know me and say hey when you do this think of me like this is what life was about this is what my life was about oh my god Noah I know you're on call, so we're going to wrap. Um, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for so much for joining me with the Drinks with Dillinger podcast. Um, please drop your social media handles. And guys, Noah also has a book that's unavailable on Amazon. So definitely go pick that in. But Noah, drop your social media handles and get ready to go back on call because people, di- people are dying every day. And as a funeral director, you need to be ready. You, you absolutely do need to be ready. So, I, again, just very appreciative of you tonight and previous days and years beforehand. But um, you can find me. So, so on Twitter, it's just my name, Noah Watry, N-O-A-H-W-A-T-R-Y, Noah Watry. That's the same thing on Twitter, on Instagram. Look me up on Facebook under Wisconsin. Good Midwestern boy. Woot, woot. Um, and then also my website, noahwatry.com, where I have all my articles. And then I actually have two books out now on Amazon as well, which are The Game of Life and Poker, um, which is the first one. And then the second one is Life and Love After Poker. So I, I talk about my life through my 20s, relationships, the good, the bad, living situations, scenarios I got myself in, how I got myself out of them. And of course, a lot of poker playing as well. So. There you have it. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Noah. And I know you can't drink right now. And I know you're a maker's person just like me. (laughs) So the drink for tonight, guys, is an old-fashioned using Maker's Mark because, of course, it's Drinks with Dillinger and we're out.